and where we'll be taking the sermon from. But look at verse 22. And the prophet came to the king of Israel and said unto him, Go strengthen thyself and mark and see what thou doest. For at the return of the year, uh, the king of Syria will come up against thee. And the servants of the king of Syria said unto him, listen to this, Their gods are gods of the hills. Therefore, they were stronger than we. Their forte was not fighting in the altitude, but uh, they said their gods, this is Syria now, talking about Israel, God's people, their gods are gods of the hills, therefore they were stronger than we, but let us fight against them in the plain, or down in the valley, and surely we shall be stronger than they. Now, go over with me, if you will, please, and uh, look at verse number 20. Ah, uh, 27. And the children of Israel were numbered and were all present. I like that, don't you? And went against them, that is, against the Syrians. And the children of Israel pitched before them like two little flocks of kids. Not, not, not grown goats. Not, uh, not strong goats, but he said, two little flocks of infants, just weaklings. And there they lay in two segments for the battle. Notice what it says, though. There's a semicolon. But the Syrians fill the country. I think we have some odds stacked against us here. Look at verse 28. Then there came a man of God and spake unto the king of Israel and said, Thus saith the Lord. Listen to this. Because the Syrians have said, The Lord is God of the hills, but is not the God of the valleys, the preacher said, Therefore, God says, I will deliver all this great multitude into thy hand, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. He's not doing it for their sake only, but for His testimony. <laughs> and they pitched one over against, verse 29, another for seven days. And it, uh, so it was that at the seventh day the battle was joined, or they went at it. And the children of Israel slew the Syrians, a hundred thousand footmen in one day. You say, preacher, come on. Now, I'm going to read it just like it happened. He slew the Syrians, a hundred thousand footmen. The infantry of the Syrian army was falling apart quick. A hundred thousand of them. And the Bible says in verse number 30, our last verse. But the rest fled to Apex into the city, and there a wall fell on 27,000 of the men that were left. I mean, they ran from the battle, and a wall, ain't that just like a wall? A wall, a wall fell on 
kill 27,000. I don't have a title for this. Uh, and all I have basically here is a thought. Joey Martin said, why don't you title it? This sermon is so good it don't need a title. I started to do that tonight, but then he would expect me to do everything that he tells me. And let's pray and ask God to help us tonight, all right? Father, take this portion of Scripture, weld it and tattoo it to our heart, and cause us tonight, I pray, Lord, uh, to learn something that can help us get through some tough times. We'll thank You, we'll praise You, and we'll bless You for what You do. In Jesus' name, Amen. You can have a seat. Let me give you this thought, this proposition, or this evaluation, or this jump start statement. Every one of us that are saved, how many in here are born again and know it? Let me see your hand. Every one of us, you can put them down, that are born again, saved by grace, can make it in these hard times. We're seeing escalating prices. It's getting to where it's difficult to even manage and make it on a good income. We're seeing things go way higher than our ability to keep up. You'll see gas $3 a gallon by Christmas. You mark it down. And that's not the end of it if Jesus tarries. Why? Because it is in the hands of people that are not for us. They're against what we're doing, and to break the economy is their total goal. But i got news for you. As long as Israel is leaning up against America, God will keep America strong enough to hold her up. This is the only place left for asylum to the Jew. I mean, even the places that will take them in, take them after they enter. And it's not an easy place, not an easy road for them. We're living in a day and we're seeing trouble on every front. Now we have homeland security. We've got terrorism, I mean, running rampant. And while I'm preaching tonight, eight million Muslims live in this country. And out of that, and not all of them are bad people. But out of that number, there is a select few, there is a group that have nothing but our downfall on their mind. But I want to make a statement to you. Every child of God can make it with God in these hard times. Every one of us, every one of us should believe Him and should trust Him in these days and not what we see going on. Why? You say, preacher, why? Because of the pictures in the valleys that we see here in this story. The Syrians and the Israelis got into it on a mountainside, and the Israelis whipped them. It didn't have nothing to do with the mountains. It had something to do with the Master. And the Bible says they whipped them. Well, the Syrians made a statement. They said their God, or gods, are gods of the hills, but you let us take them down into the valley, and we can deal with them in the valley. Well, uh, Benadad said, all right, count your chariots and count your people. Dole out an army just like the one they beat the first time. 
And the Assyrians come for a second wave and a second war. And in this, I want you to see three pictures that cause you and I to have confidence and faith and hope and belief in our God in these hard times. Number one, I want you to see the odds in the valley. The odds in the valley. The Bible says in verse number 27, the children of Israel were numbered and all were present, and they went against them. And the children of Israel pitched before them like two little flocks of goats or immature, uh, small-hearted, infant goats. They look like two flocks of kids. But the Syrians fill the country. Ladies and gentlemen, you you and I are living in the minority in this generation when it comes to old-fashioned Bible principles. People do not care for Bible-thumping. People do not care for holiness. People do not care. Oh, they say they want people to live according to their raising and they want people to live above the standard and the morals of this country so that we won't have to build jails and so that we won't have the expense of all that goes along uh, with crookedness and perverseness. But the truth of the matter is people are not looking for truth and justice and they're not looking for uh, a place of holiness The truth of the matter is, we are living in a minority as people of God of holiness, of justice, and God-honoring love and truth. But I sure am glad to be able to announce tonight that I'm in that minority, and I'm not ashamed of that minority. I may be laying there like two little segments of kid goats, and the Syrians may be surrounding me, but I'm glad I still have a God. I'm glad I still have a Bible. The politician cannot run him off. The politician cannot devaluate him. The politician cannot scare or fear him. Praise God tonight. We're not in this thing alone. We're not in this thing to fail. We're not in this thing to go under. We're in this thing to go up. Somebody give him praise. You say, preacher, the odds are against us. You're right, but odds are nothing until they're activated by the power of those that make up the odds. I'm glad to know we might be in that small crowd. We might be in that minute number. We may be a small flock. We may just be a few kids. But, can I get a witness right here? Little is much when God is in it. He had several, 32,000, start out to fight the, uh, the, the, the battle there in uh, the book of Judges. And the Bible says uh, that uh, uh, God whittled them down. And Gideon was looking for a crowd. Gideon was looking for a mighty army. And God whittled them down to 300. From 32,000 to 300. And God said, now we've got it down to where man can't get the glory. But I can. we got it whittled down to where man can't praise himself. But I, I can get glory when I deliver them. And He delivered them with 300 people. Praise God tonight. Listen to me, folks. Don't you gnaw your fingernails. 
Don't you get fearful because the newspaper or Fox or CNN or ABC or NBC or anybody else tells you that it's over. Praise God. They may take my Bible, but they'll have to cut my heart out of my breast to take it off of my soul. Let me ask you a question. Is the devil doing everything that he can to try to discourage and try to defuse and try to defeat you and try to do his best to make you think that we're going under? Ladies and gentlemen, I didn't come here tonight to tell you we're going under. I didn't come here to tell you tonight we're washed up. I didn't come to tell you tonight it's all done and over. You ain't sticking no fork in this. God has not done everything that needs to be done. He's still working. And praise God tonight. I'm glad though the odds are against us, God be for us. Who can be against us? Give Him glory. Don't you worry about the odds. Don't you worry about the crowds. Don't you worry about all of the, uh, uh, the addition and multiplying of people. Thank God I'm still God and one still makes up a majority. Number two, not only the picture of the odds in the valley, verse 27, but look at the opinion in the valley. Now, here's where they got in trouble. Verse number 28. There came a man of God. He's unnamed. And what difference does it make? A man of God. There's no denominational affiliation tacked on his name. And what difference does it make? He's a man of God. Amen. And spake unto the king of Israel and said, It's not thus saith the preacher or thus saith the man of God, or thus saith the mind of the man of God, but thus saith the Lord, because the Syrians have said. Is that what your Bible says? Trust me, he's not putting anything up there that's not right. The Syrians have said, the Lord is God of the hills only, but He is not God of the valleys. Therefore will I deliver all this great multitude into thine hand that you might know that I am the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you the opinion in the valley is that God cannot do a lot. The opinion in the valley is that God is a segmented, fragmented, old uh, God of antiquity and cannot do anything for a modern-day contemporary Christian. But I want to tell you, He's as much God tonight in this building as He ever was in the Red Sea. He's as much God tonight as He ever was on Mount Carmel when they called down fire and fried 850 of them. He's as much God tonight as He ever was when He provided manna in the wilderness. I'm telling you, they said, can God provide a table in the wilderness? I come to tell you, He can prepare a table right here, right now, for us. You and I need to keep our opinion of Him high. We need to keep our opinion of Him full. We need to keep our opinion of Him faithful. 
We need to keep our opinion of Him upstanding. We need to keep it upright. We need to keep it high and exalted. We need to keep it high and magnified and blessed. I'm glad to know tonight He's God of the hills and He's God of the valley. And I don't care what opinion you might hear, He does not switch off because of altitude. He does not switch off because of placement. He does not switch off because of incline or flatland. This goes to show me He is God enough for all my problems. He's God enough for all my situations. No matter what I face, whether it be a flat problem or an inclined problem, I'm glad my God knows how to take care of me. He knows how to assert authority. He knows how to put the devil in his place. He knows how exactly to put every demon where he belongs. Somebody holler, Amen, right there. Now the devil will come to you and he'll tell you, you got yourself in a mess now. And you may have. But I'm going to tell you how big God is. God is so big that He can take the message you get yourself into and get you out quicker than you got in. <laughs> I've done wrong, okay? But He is so right, He's better than your wrong. But I have not been faithful. I have not been uh, right. I have not been above board. I have been less than my best. Uh, that's all right. I'm glad He's always uh, the best at His best. And He'll do for you what you need for Him to do. For He's God on the mountain. He's God in the valley. And He's God in between. Huh. I'm talking about a picture or pictures. The first picture we see is the picture of the odds in the valley. <laughs> this one and that one says we'll crush that bunch of religionists. This one I like. Oh, Lester Roloff, I, I never got to meet him but just a couple of times. Most of you kids don't even know and you early teens and late teens and early 20s don't even know who I'm talking about. It's sad, but he probably, uh, his memoirs and his uh, his testimony and his reputation in ten years will probably not be mentioned. But old Lester Roloff went to uh, Galveston, uh, Texas and built a home uh, there in that part of the country in the southern, southern tip of Texas, almost in the Gulf of Mexico. He did have a place called Lighthouse for Men where they rehab drug addicts and gamblers and every other thing, men only. They'd take them down uh, to the lighthouse uh, in Corpus Christi, Texas, and they would uh, try to rehab these fellas. And he went to uh, get on a radio station one time, not far from his place. He said, I'd like to buy some time and uh, if I might be able to. They said, what are you going to do with it? They said, he said, I'm going to preach the gospel and try to do what I can to get the gospel to people's lives. And I'd like a good price, and I'd like for you to give me a good time if you could. He said, Sir, there is no time for your kind, and there is no price that you can pay here. We don't allow that kind of thing here, and we just absolutely don't have any more time to talk about it. Best thing you can do is take your stuff and leave, because you're not going to be on this radio station. He said, But, Sir, 
God told me to come down here and tell you that, and so I'll just leave it with you, and you do whatever you want to with it. He said, I'll tell you right now what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to forget it when you walk out of here. He told this story in one of the meetings that I was in. He said, in less than three years later, the home owned that station. The home had their name on that station, and the home bought it outright, and he didn't broadcast nothing but the gospel on it. And had that guy came down there and tried to buy advertising, I'm sure Brother Roloff would have given him the right act and a map out the front door. Sometimes the opinion of God is very low, but it should never be low here, and it should never be low in the house of God. Our opinion of God ought to be that my God can do anything. My God can take care of everything, and whatever He comes up against, He can stomp it out if need be. I said our proposition, every child of God in here should... Believe God in hard times. Why, preacher? Because of these pictures. I want you to see in this portion the odds. I want you to see in this portion, secondly, the opinion. And then lastly, I want you to see the overthrow in the valley. The overthrow in the valley. Notice with me, if you will, please, verse 29. They pitched one over against the other seven days. They sat there for a week and waited. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They're strategizing. They are, they, they, they are thinking uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And on the seventh day, the Bible says, the battle was joined. Or the, the infantrymen and the foot soldiers joined at one another. And 100,000... Footman in one day of the Syrians was overthrown. Now, I want to ask you a question. If God, who is here tonight, did that back then, has He gotten so sick that He's run out of ability to do that now? The Bible says that 100, uh, in, the, in the Word of God, uh, over in the book of Revelation, it talks about thousands and millions, the kings of the east, coming across the Euphrates River and fighting in the battle of Armageddon. I'm talking about hundreds of thousands and millions of people. And the Bible says he'll come back and stand one foot on one side of the Mount of Olives and one on the other. And the Bible says shall make his enemies his footstool and he will put the whole crowd to a migraine. And an overthrow took place in the valley. And the children of Israel slew of the Syrians a hundred thousand footmen. But the rest uh, fled to Atrat into the city, and there was a wall, fell, and twenty-seven thousand... Have you, have you got the picture? A hundred thousand died, twenty-seven thousand of them tucked their tail and booked. That's not Bible language, but it sure is real redneck stuff. They tucked their tail and booked. They thought they were free. They all was leaning up against the wall trying to rest and hide. And the wall fell on them and killed them. Now, I want to ask you something. Who pushed the wall over? I want to ask you something. Who spoke to the wall? Who dealt with the wall? Who pushed the wall? Who, who 
toppled the wall, and 27,000 died. You say, oh, preacher, do you really believe that? I promise you this, if you don't, I believe it's strong enough for both of us. Yes, sir. And I'm going to tell you this. That's the book of 1 Kings. If you've got problems there with your belief system, don't read any further. God, it gets worse over in the New Testament. i got people getting up from the dead and walking around doing this stuff. You say, well, I have a psychological problem and a psychological framework that's very weak. You, need to, <laughs> you might ought to get you a Book of Mormon or something, because uh, I promise you, uh, this, this Bible is chock full of Him doing the absolute miraculous. Now... There's an overthrow in the valley. He, he causes 100,000 to lose their life, and 27,000 of them lean up against the wall, or 27,000 of them are trying to hide. I don't know what they was doing, how they were arranged. All I know was the wall was tall enough when it fell. God pushed it over and killed 27,000. And here's my point tonight, and I quit. If He can do that... What keeps him from paying your gas bill? If he can do that, what keeps him from keeping you well? If he can do that, what tells us that he's not capable now? He is! He is! He is! Give him glory and praise. Our Father, thank you tonight for the Holy Ghost. Thank you tonight for this portion of Scripture. I want to bless you and thank you and give you glory for how you are the strength and the testimony and the power of our Christian life. Now, Lord, I'm fixing to face Monday. I don't know what Monday holds. I don't know what's coming Tuesday. I don't know what will arrive on Wednesday if Wednesday comes. But I do know this. I can believe God in these days the God I just preached about, and no matter what the odds are, no matter what the opinion is, no matter what the enemy says about it, praise God, I'm glad to know that there is an overthrow possible. And you can help us, and you can strengthen us, and you can encourage us through it. We're just, we're, we're, we're just a couple of squadrons of, of little old goats laid out here and surrounded by the whole country uh, by people who disagree with us. People that do not want anything to do with what we're talking about. A society and a generation that's gone absolutely spiritually unconscious. But I want to thank you that there's still a remnant, there's still a flock. We may be small, but we're real. We may be small, but we're powerful. We may be small, but we are determined not to give up or get out till we see Jesus. Now, Lord, I want to apply this, and I want to ask You to help all of us with Your strong might, because You are the God of the mountains. And you are God in the valley. And I want to thank you, and I want to praise you, and I want to bless you that you are the hope and the strength of every one of our futures. Work in our lives. Help these young preacher boys as they go out to preach the gospel. To know everybody's not going to be for them. Everybody's not going to sway with them. Everybody's not going to stand with them. Everybody's not going to sing with them. Everybody's not going to walk with them. But enough will 
to where there will be a remnant or a flock that will always be available if they'll stand for God. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do for us. How many of you would join me around this altar tonight and say, Preacher, I will do my best to commit myself to believing God in these hard times. And I'll do it because tonight I've seen the odds don't matter. I've seen tonight, no matter how many people are against us, we've got enough for us that it's not going to be a problem. It's not going to be a difficulty. It's not going to be something that is going to waylay us or to cause us havoc and grief. Tonight, how many of you would come and say, I don't care what the opinion of others is. I'm looking for an overthrow. Satan has had his day. Satan's had his say. And I have decided to believe God in these days and believe God in my circumstances, and I'm going to trust Him tonight. Maybe you're here this evening and you never have been saved. The greatest need you have is still unmet. The greatest need you have is not for more money, not popularity, uh, not prestige. Your, your, your whole entire need is wrapped up in your repentant faith in Christ. You need to come to the Lord. If you've never come to Him and asked Him to save you, you need to come to Him tonight before it's too late. Please don't leave this building with the risk of dying before you get home and falling off into a godless, Jesusless eternity. Come to Him. We'll be glad to take a Bible and show you how to be saved. We'll be glad to minister to you and nurture you spiritually. In heaven.